seeking some fuel for your nightmare, I see. I found this very strange journal when I was hiking in Yellowstone last summer. Normally, I wouldn't even bother to mention it, but when I found it just sitting off the edge of the walkway around the big hot springs, I was curious. It was one of those really classic leather-bound journals, and I love all of those rustic styles. After picking it up, I looked around at the crowd of people roaming across the walkways, thinking maybe someone just dropped it but no one looked like they were looking for something. I even shouted that I found it, hoping the owner would come for it. But after getting a few strange looks, I figured the owner was long gone. At this point, I was very curious as to what was in it, and I figured I might find some information to allow me to locate the owner, so I thumbed through it. What I found was shocking. Now, initially, I thought it was just a story, you know, kind of like those creepy pastas they have on Reddit. But as I continued to read, it was clear that this was not just a creepy story. Something is going on at Yellowstone, and I think everyone needs to know before it's too late. What I am about to tell you may sound like flat-out insanity or someone trying to play a joke, but I swear this is real. After I read the entire journal, I was thinking the same thing. I thought it was just a story, then even tried to brush it off as a joke. But my curiosity got the better of me. So I looked into it, and I even spent the rest of my vacation investigating the information in this journal. I mean, if it was real, I had to know. Or at least calm my fears and worries. What I found was far more terrifying than I had even imagined. Let's get back to the journal. It was written by a gift shop worker named Sarah, who worked at the Old Faithful Basin store. She wrote that she was very friendly and would often chat with the customers about their vacations and such. She was so well-liked apparently that she often got repeat visits from customers, sometimes just before they would leave or because they felt comfortable with her and she was honest. Whatever it was, Sarah was definitely not a wallflower by any means. She wrote that she began to notice visitors disappearing. She started to get concerned when visitors would ask about their missing relatives, although there were no missing persons listed in the daily bulletin. Apparently, the day after they would be chastised for breaking a park rule by a park ranger, they would mysteriously disappear. Sarah wrote that the visitors would tell her that they reported their friend or family member missing to the park rangers, and a few hours later would be told that they were seen leaving the park. Yet the customers would often say they tried calling their missing companion, but just couldn't get a hold of them. She tried to calm their fears by telling them that there was often terrible cell service due to the mountains. Her worries started to grow as more and more people would go missing, yet not a single one of them would show up on the missing reports. It was at this point when she started to look into this strange event. Sarah began offering to keep a lookout for the missing person and traded phone numbers with the frantic families. 
Now I know what you are thinking. I looked into missing persons reports at Yellowstone, and none of the people listed missing in the journal are listed in the missing persons registry at the park. Not a single one of those people that she described is listed as missing in the park. Yet the families swear up and down that they went missing in the park. I even asked myself when I called the Yellowstone Park Service claiming to be a journalist, and every time I mentioned one of the missing, and I mean every time, I was informed that particular person was seen leaving the park. Clearly, there was more to this than the Park Service was willing to admit. I had decided to spend the rest of my summer vacation looking into this issue. Okay, so back to the journal. In the next section of the journal, Sarah said she started to look into these missing persons with a greater intensity spending her evenings researching each individual, trying to find any connections or links between them. She started questioning a few park rangers, asking simple questions, such as, have you heard about this person? Their family said they went missing from Campground A. And, did you happen to see this person actually leave the park? After a couple weeks of questioning the visitor disappearances, she came home to find a note pinned to her front door. When she read the note, she was shocked to find... Stop looking. You wouldn't want to lose that precious job you seem to love so much. This, however, only served to solidify her determination to investigate the disappearances. Clearly, this wasn't just a tourist lost in the miles of park. Something sinister was actually going on. After a couple of weeks of investigating and finding no real leads, Sarah happened to overhear a couple of park rangers talking. Their hushed discussion seemed unusual prompting her to decide to follow them at the end of her shift. As soon as her shift ended with her mind almost entirely focused on the mystery, she didn't even notice when she almost slammed into the back of the same two rangers she overheard earlier, and after cheerfully saying something like, Oh, I'm so sorry, I didn't see you. I'll see you tomorrow. Have a great night. She shuffled away quickly in the direction of the parking lot, as if to go to her car. The rangers seemed to ignore her presence as she continued down the path. Once she was sure they were not paying any attention to her, she ducked behind a tree and waited until they were almost out of sight before following them down the path. Being a gift shop employee, she was not used to the long hike, and after what seemed to her like miles, she began to become nervous as the sun was starting to set behind the mountains, and yet the rangers never stopped. Sarah began to question her determination as thoughts of bear and bison attacks began to slip into her mind since she saw daily reports of visitors having encounters, but she pushed them away and steeled her resolve, and continued her pursuit of the rangers. Hours later, she crept along the path as the half-moon rose, casting an eerie glow in the darkness as she pursued the rangers. Sarah was starting to become convinced that the rangers were only checking the park after closing, and just as she started to turn around, she noticed a new light just over the rise. As she slipped from tree to tree, getting closer to her quarry, she began to notice the odor of sulfur mixed with pine. She finally crested the rise and saw a cabin with an odd chimney in the center. Anxiety filled her as she debated getting closer to the cabin in order to see what was going on inside, but fear won the day, and she retreated. It took nearly three hours to return, almost getting lost several times along the way. Once she reached the parking lot, she immediately drove home without stopping constantly checking her rearview mirror, worried she might be followed. Thankfully, she never saw anyone follow her, and her fear and anxiety began to subside. Once she reached home, she breathed a sigh of relief and started to think the entire event over in her mind. 
Sarah wrote how determined she was to still look into what was going on and decided to use her day off to check out the cabin during the day. Apparently, she was so excited and nervous, she slept fitfully, but woke up even more determined to solve the mystery. She wrote that she was living one of those mystery books that she loved to read. The next morning, Sarah decided to skip her breakfast, instead opting for a few protein bars. She also made certain she was dressed appropriately for the long hike to the cabin. After driving to the store parking lot, she decided that it might make the park rangers suspicious if they saw her car in the lot and not working. So she decided to park a bit further up the road, off a small unmarked trail. She then hiked for several hours in the direction of the cabin, making sure she was alone and not seen by any park rangers. She didn't want to blow her chance to find out what was really going on. After almost three hours of hiking, Sarah was about to give up and panic started to set in, thinking she had gotten herself lost in the miles of forest, when she finally crested a small rise and found the strange cabin again. The cabin was even more unusual in the day. It was roughly circular with a central chimney that still seemed to exhaust smoke that smelled awful. It was then she realized that it was not smoke but steam, and in a flash of understanding concluded that the cabin was built around a hot spring that wasn't listed on any of the park maps. The facade of the cabin was clearly the original, appearing to have been built at the turn of the century. The rest was definitely upgraded, looking no more than 10 years old. After spending the next hour watching every direction and closely watching the lodge for any movement, she finally decided to get closer and find out what was going on. Sarah quickly crept up to the building and looked into several windows, just to be certain no one was around. After confirming that she was alone, she circled around to the main entrance. The door was unlocked, which surprised her. If this was Park Service property or even USGS, the building should be locked when no one was on site. She almost decided to leave at that moment, but her curiosity got the best of her and she pressed on. She swiftly opened the door and quickly closed it behind her while tiptoeing down the entranceway. There was a room on the right and on the left before the main doors into the room surrounding the spring. She chose the room on the right first, hoping to find some sort of information relating to the building. Once she opened the door, she was shocked to find neatly folded stacks of clothing with a pair of shoes on top and the occasional hat, backpack, or purse. Many of the piles had a camera as well. It was done so well and so carefully, as if lovingly prepared. The image was shocking, reminding her of the old horror movies where the killer has a shrine of their victims. Sarah's heart started beating faster and her breath caught in her throat as she looked around the room. There were dozens of neat stacks, maybe even 50. As she looked closer, she noticed that the further down the line, the clothing became more dated, the rows ending in clothes from the turn of the century. It was clear something sinister was going on. Frantically, she began to search the clothing for any kind of identification and yet every single stack had nothing. Even the cameras had no film or memory cards. She concluded that any identifying information was deliberately removed. Suddenly, a large bang echoed down the hall. Her heart jumped to her throat as she frantically looked around. Fearing that she might be caught, she bolted down the hall to the doors into the spring room. The moment she entered, a wall of oppressive heat overwhelmed her, and she nearly started to cough on the fumes of sulfur. Stifling a cough and a gag, she stumbled around, desperately searching for a place to hide. As she scanned the area, she saw a large path that led to the center of the pool. At the end, a large altar. 
In a stroke of luck, she noticed a large enough space beneath the altar where she could hide. Quickly, she wedged herself into the recess and waited. Sarah wrote that she waited for only a few short minutes before she began to hear voices and footsteps. As sweat began to drip into her eyes, she could hear the pleading of a young girl. I swear I won't ever jump the fence again. Just let me go. I promise. I won't ever break another rule. I don't want to get in trouble. It was only maybe a minute when the pleading suddenly switched to a short shriek and desperate cries. Please, no. I won't ever come back. I won't tell anyone. Please, please, please. While the girl was begging for what seemed to be her life, Sarah started to notice a calm murmur of many voices. She wrote that she could hear what seemed like a prayer or a chant, but she could not make out any of the words. As she strained to hear what was being said over the girl's sobbing, suddenly the chant stopped, and after only a few heartbeats later, a loud, blood-curdling scream that was quickly cut off following a splash. Sarah wrote that she was in a near-panic attack. She had no idea what was going on, but she thought she had stumbled into a satanic cult murdering people. That thought was quickly extinguished when she felt a deep rumble, and then the heat became oppressive. A sudden thought that she would be steamed like a clam flashed through her mind, and then a disgusting odor became far more apparent. This was more than just the smell of sulfur, which she had become used to. It was like a thousand bodies were rotting, and fecal matter mixed with the smell of sulfur. Her stomach roiled and she choked back bile. Out of nowhere, a deafening roar filled the enclosed room that ended as quickly as it started. Sarah wrote that she had no way of knowing if she would be caught, so she fought to remain absolutely silent. Seconds ticked by, and in only a few short minutes, the smell retreated, and the heat began to drop. She could now breathe more comfortably, but it still felt like a sauna. It was at that moment that the group began to chant anew. This was surprisingly brief, and once it was complete, she could hear the footsteps of the cult retreat. Sarah was concerned that if she got up too soon, she would be caught, so she waited for many long minutes. After nearly 30 minutes had passed without a single sound, Sarah slipped out of the crevice and quickly looked around. There was no one around her, and she then instinctively looked into the pool. It was just the same as it was when she arrived. Taking no chances, she quickly gathered her wits and bolted from the building. Exiting the cabin, the mountain air rapidly cooled the sweat that had drenched her clothing. At this point, she was running on autopilot, sprinting her way back out of the woods towards the car, her mind in shock. She was unsure what she just heard and what the hell she had smelled. Maybe it was actually hell. She reached her car in record time, less than a third of the time it took to reach the cabin. Her body shaking, she jumped into her car and skidded out of the trail, onto the road, and back in the direction of her home. There is more to come. I will post more from her journal in a couple days. I need to look into this more. Something is going on. If you enjoyed this episode of the podcast, make sure you leave a five-star review. We do appreciate it, and we will see you again next time on Nightmare Fuel.